Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Big Nasty. Yeah, Big Nasty. Hall of Fame, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! First time in 18 years, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have started their season 6-2. Monday Night Football, they come out victorious and improve their record to 6-2. They outlast the New York Giants 25-23. And as of right now, they have their sights set on Sunday Night Football against the New Orleans Saints in the biggest game of the season. While they did win on Monday night, happy Victory Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen. Um, Did they deserve to win this game? We're going to talk about that all here shortly, but with that being said, welcome back to the Cannon Fire Podcast today for episode 142. I'm your host as always, Rhett Matthew. Join alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself, Mr. Evan Wanish. Happy Victory Tuesday, man. I know it's celebratory time right now um but are they always just gonna suck on prime time like is that gonna be a thing like forever or or what because even though they won it still sucked like like it it sucked last year last year they beat carolina on thursday night football it came down to the wire it it sucked like even their wins on prime time suck it seems like normally when we see the Buccaneers in games like this that suck, they're always on the losing end. The last time they played a game like this, obviously, was Chicago on Thursday Night Football. So like you said, I don't know if it's prime time. I don't know if it's playing at night. I don't know what it is. But if kickoff is after 4 p.m. and it's not Sunday, then you can guarantee the Buccaneers not looking up to snuff. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's just remind everybody, big, deep breath, they did Six win. and two. The six and two. They won. They won. We're going to talk about all the ugly stuff from the game, but I do need to say this. It feels like one of those shows where we're going to have more bad to say than good, and I also want to get out in front of this. Um, listen, to the people who feel like anybody criticizing this team, or at least taking a fair, objective look at this football team... I don't know why all of a sudden everybody's complaining, you know, like, oh, you're just bitching. They're six and two. They're doing great right now. Like, yeah, sure. They're six and two. Fantastic. I am through the roof, but it was a bad football game. And it was a game, like I said before, that, that that I'm not so sure they deserve to win. I hate to say it like that, but it doesn't seem like Mm -hmm. there's any other way to say it. Yeah. I mean, I almost look at it as the giants lost it more than the bucks won it. Like, oh, definitely. Uh, you know, Daniel Jones by himself. He's bad. Um, (laughs) I mean, if the Giants get a chance to draft like one of the top three quarterbacks this year, I think they really need to consider it. Obviously, if they had a shot at Lawrence, I think it's a slam dunk. But I, I I don't think anybody's beating the Jets out for that spot. So, uh, you know, I think it's 
it's good to get a win. And and this is, I believe Mike Evans said this, that in the past they'd definitely lose this game, and this time they won it. I mean, we all know what happens in the past. The Giants get the two-point conversion, and then it ends up going to overtime. Bucks offense gets it first. You get hope. Bucks offense stalls, and Giants kick the game-winning field goal. That's how that game ends, nine times out of ten with the Bucks, right? Uh, or... Ryan Suckup misses that field goal. Daniel Jones goes down, and they score the game-winning touchdown. That's how it always seemed to go, right? This time is a little bit different, and and that's how you could see the signs of a different team. You you say finding different ways to win, and this is a different way to win. It's winning ugly. You won pretty against Green Bay. You won pretty against Las Vegas, but now you just won ugly. So you're you're learning new ways. You couldn't get it done in Chicago. You didn't know how to win ugly in Chicago. Now you learned how to win ugly in New York. So I definitely think it's a step for them in the right direction. I think this is a needed game. I think this is sort of a, a wake-up call, I mean, especially this stretch coming up. I mean, their next four games are the New Orleans Saints, who are a playoff team, the Carolina Panthers, who aren't – I don't think they're a playoff team, but they're not a slouch. Then the uh, L.A. Rams – playoff team and the Kansas City Chiefs arguably the best team in football and the defending Super Bowl champions that's a huge stretch and I think this is good uh, for that wake up call to really happen and like yeah you're 6-2 and two. at the time you were 5-2 and two heading into the game but you're nothing right now any team can beat anybody and I know I got some criticism for when I predicted uh, that this game would be close and I, and I said it would be close and people were like no you know, they blew out the Packers and the Raiders. Can't you imagine what they're going to do to the Giants? Look, these are paid professionals. These guys are getting paid on the other side. Yeah, they're not. You're not going to blow every team out. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, you're not. You're not going to beat every team by double digits. I did predict a double-digit win, but it was 28 to 17. It, it's not like I was predicting 35 to 7. Um, you know, you're not going to blow every team out, and I think the Bucks realized that. The, you know, last night, um, they definitely escaped New York with a win. But it was, I think, a much-needed one because it taught them how to win in another different way. Yeah, a win is a win is a win. And regardless of it's, what It's that, not going to have an asterisk in the, in the stat column. Yes, it's, regardless it's of like, what... It's not like 6-2, six, six asterisk two, and now it's 6-2. Six 6-2, dash two. Six dash two, and for another week in a row, the Buccaneers are first place in the NFC South. So, folks, don't get it twisted. Bucks won. We are very happy. But, of course... The podcast that we are, we're going to give you um, a, a fair look, a fair criticism of, of course, what the Red and Pewter Buccaneers showed us on Monday night. But Evan, really quickly, man, I, I know we're in a good mood. <sighs> but listen, you're my buddy, you're my pal, but after your behavior last night, I have no choice but to suspend you for the next episode of the podcast. Uh. I know. Listen... Uh, you can get defensive, but let me just uh, let me just let me just pull up the receipts here. Let me get mm. my reading glasses on. Mm. So there was a period of time that I did not talk to you last night, and normally we text each other back and forth for most of the game, and I get it. I was mad. You were mad as well, and we were both venting, right? So here's what it is. Eight forty kickoff was it? What eight fifteen? said, feels eerily similar to the Chicago game so far. Which it did. Refs not being great on either side, which they weren't. Critical fumble on Ronald Jones, which we'll talk about in a little bit, etc. And yeah, you're right. It was a sucky game just like Chicago. And I said, yeah, we'll see. Still three quarters left. You said, I mean, you can keep being optimistic, but just watch. 
Daniel Jones lives rent-free in their heads right now. They have no answer for this offense. Going to be a really fun show. Cannot believe that Daniel Jones is going to have five career wins and two of them are against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yep. And I just, I I wasn't responding. Yep, not to none (sighs) of them. Oh, man. And, I mean, we finally talked about it. This team came around and... You know, they played some inspired football in the fourth quarter, which was a welcome sight after the first three quarters of that game. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you and, know, and I'm Red, just busting after, your chops. But, yeah, you got to kick you off with, the next show. After speaking with my agent, we are not going to appeal the suspension. Um, we, we're we're going to serve the suspension. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're not going to appeal it. Don't want to drag it out anymore. Uh, just get it past us. You know, it's in the past. Um you know, not, not not proud of it the way we, the way it turned out, but uh, we're hoping that uh, yeah we can get back into business soon. Hey, well I'll tell you what, man. Speaking of getting back into business, since you're not going to be doing a show this Thursday, you're going to have plenty of time to head on over and check out our friends at BetOnline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, there is always the online casino, which never closes. So head over to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses that they have got going on. Once again, BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. I'm sure the people who have listened to the show really appreciated the free money we threw their way regarding the Chiefs and the uh, Chiefs and the Jets game, right? KC, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Trying to tell you. There you go. I tell you this week. This week, I'm keeping an eye on the line isn't out yet, but I keep an eye on the Pittsburgh. Keep an eye on the Pittsburgh line. They're going to start Cooper Rush, the Cowboys are, against that Steelers defense. The Steelers offense is in rhythm. Cowboys defense is awful. Keep it. Not sure what the line's going to be. It's going to be high, but I keep an eye on it. Every Steelers fan I know is like, this is the game that we lose. Like, this, you know, we're 7-0 for the first time in 40 years, and they're going to lose to the Cowboys, who are on their fifth-string quarterback. Dude, by the way. Rough couple of weeks for Andy Dalton. Am I right? Guy got put on the COVID list oh, today. Man, Good got a concussion. God. COVID. Yeah, he's got everything. <sighs> and, and and the dude who hits him doesn't even get suspended. And oh, I mean, I get I get suspended for text, and he doesn't get suspended for that dirty hit. Like, what is going on here? You know, that's how <laughs> that's how you know the league is is messed up. Um, yeah. So rough rough week for the Red Rifle. But yeah. uh, how about we talk about the the red and fo- red and pewter football pirates? Let's do it. So we got some stat lines. Of course, we're gonna get into this game a little bit. First things first. TB 12, 28 for 40 passing, 279 yards, two touchdowns. The box score looks like a pretty good day for Brady. And I'm not gonna say that it was a bad day for Brady, but I'll tell you what, man. That first half was. I don't want to say the yep. worst we've seen him look in a Bucks uniform, but he he just he was throwing some ducks, and it was uh, uh, it was concerning for a little bit. That was the worst I've seen him look in a Bucks uniform. Uh, first half he sucked. Um, I mean he he was missing just guys that he just normally doesn't, um, and even seemed like some of the some of the routes that were caught were some tough catches. A lot of stuff. It seemed like he was forcing the ball a little bit. Um, I mean, and I, I understand that we're there without Chris Godwin, and when they're without Chris Godwin, it's a completely different offense. But man, it's just—he was just off. It's not like these guys, like some. Yeah, he was forcing some, but also he's just missing wide open guys. Like, yeah. um, I know the snaps were off. The, the one snap was off, but he missed Mike Evans. 
could have held it for probably another second or so and would have hit Mike Evans. Uh, he missed Jaden Mickens, who, I mean, you know, a lot of people think that Mickens could have kept running, and perhaps he could have, but he missed him. I believe he missed Leonard Fournette high in the flat. It just yeah, it, it was a it was a rough first half for for Brady. Not a lot of guys getting open, and uh, he really picked it up in the second half. Though kudos to him, uh, big reason why they won. I think uh, you know, I mean, no turnovers again. This guy hasn't thrown an interception since uh, week four, and I, I don't know if the Buccaneers have gone this stretch without an interception uh, this, since I don't even know when. Probably maybe like 2012 or something like that. Right, close maybe. Um, have gone this long without an interception. Uh, It's a great stretch for him right now. And he really reeled it in in the second half and um, got Mike Evans involved so people can, you know, stop talking about that. And we we had some conversations about that last night, Um, especially after he caught that touchdown. I was a little little, little animated about, you know, um, things. But um, so – yeah, I think I think that you know he played well, and I mean he didn't play great. Uh, the first half was just bad. It just that can't happen against a, a really good team. You can't come out that slow. Uh, they didn't score a touchdown in the first half for the first time all season. Big reason why was was Brady's struggles, and um, yeah, just something clicked in the second half. They started using play action a lot. Uh, wanted to put. A uh, stat that actually ESPN had put up, and I was actually going to look at it. I was going to look, so I'm glad that they just put it up. The Bucks on play action last night were 10 of 11 for 110 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. That's the play action stats. And, That's all you got to do. Yeah, but they're only running 11 times. Like, Brady threw the ball 40 times, and they're running 11 times. Like, you got to be running that, like, 20 times, 21, 22. And I understand if you say, well, if you run it a lot, that's not going to work as much. Sure, but if you're having this much success at it, you got to do it. Um, I believe the the one miss he had on play action was when he hit tried to hit Mike Evans deep and he underthrew the ball a little bit. That was his one miss on play action. Other than that, completely perfect. And I think it's something that they got to utilize more. Yeah, and we've said it here on the show. It doesn't really matter. I, I think a lot of people have said this, not even just us, but it doesn't matter if the run game is working. Use play action. Yep. They're still going to buy it on play uh, play action every now and again. And of yeah. course, with stats but, like that. Yeah, and, and also, I wanted to bring up Brady's pocket awareness last night. I thought it was excellent. Uh, I don't think people are kind of not talking about him, like, being good last night. Because maybe it was just the, the first half. Maybe it was just how the game ended. But, um, I mean, I think he was good, and his pocket awareness was very good. I thought he, he you know, kept his head on a swivel, uh, knew where guys were. Uh, you know, created time when he needed to. Obviously, he's not going to beat you with his legs, but he extended plays when he needed to, got some good conversions. Uh, credit to a lot of the receivers for getting open when he was uh, able to extend the play. So I thought his pocket awareness was uh, very good uh, Monday night. Yeah, and the Giants got to him twice. So uh, that's both streak... were coverage sacks, though. Yeah. You know, and that was frustrating for me. Like, how are these guys not getting open? Besides James Bradbury, the Giants' secondary is not great. And I understand that they were missing Chris Godwin, but still, like, how are they just not getting open? It didn't make sense to me, but that was the first half. And I mean, obviously, I think the Giants got a sack in the second half, but you could tell it was, it was a different offense first half, the second half. Absolutely. Another guy on that offense that played a big role. We mentioned him a little bit earlier, but Mike Evans, big number 13, 
Five receptions, 55 yards, and one touchdown on the evening for Big Mike. No, he didn't get 100-plus yards, and I will say that, you know, aside from the 55 yards and touchdown that we saw, Bradbury played a pretty good game against him for the most part. Um, they did double the hell out of him again, but... Mike Evans getting involved, he got himself a touchdown, that's all that matters, and it was a pretty damn critical touchdown at that. So, uh, what did you think of Mike Evans? Well, it was, it was the game-winning score, it turned out to be, so. Um, yeah, this was kind of the game I expected him to have. I actually, I projected him to have a touchdown. Uh, I thought he was going to get, like, four catches for around, like, 45 yards and a touchdown. Um I thought that was pretty fair. Bradbury just is is a good corner, and he's playing elite football. Um, obviously, Evans got the better of him at some points last night, but Bradbury was still pretty good. So uh, I thought Mike played well. I thought um, there was a few times where he caught the ball, and it seemed like he thought he was going to get hit like right away. And so he sort of you know went to like the turtle shell when he could have maybe got some more yak, but. I mean, that's a little nitpicking. Uh, what a catch in the end zone on that fade. Uh, it wasn't the best thrown ball, but it was it was good enough. And, you know, you just let that guy, Mike Evans, you just let him go make a play. Um, so, yeah, I thought I thought he played well. I think it's something to build on. And obviously next week, you know, if they have Chris Godwin and obviously having Antonio Brown, I think it's going to just, just help him. I think he'll, he'll definitely see more targets. Um, coming his way it'll be interesting to see he's the saints of the team that has really besides that week one in 2018 he's really struggled against the saints so it'll be interesting to see uh what, what happens on sunday night absolutely now you brought up the giants secondary and yes they aren't that great bradbury had a great game but i will say this from what i saw on monday night dude they were on it like yeah, all they played, night they, long. They, the whole team played a really solid that's, game. That's the thing, is it really wasn't even just the corners. It was whoever was covering the targeted receiver. You saw so many times the Giants defender just make a play on the football. Jabril Peppers did it that one time, and I don't even think he meant to. But it's like, it, it just seemed like we saw so many more deflections, really getting a hand in the face of the receiver and breaking up that play. And I think that can just be attributed to great coaching at the end of the day. Those guys, uh, they knew what they had to do, and, and they performed pretty well for the most part. They, uh, I mean, to me, if I'm a Giants player, I'm like, man, like, how do you not come away with a W? Because there wasn't many Giants. Like, I mean, obviously the most important Giant was the one that I think had a bad game. It was Daniel Jones. Yeah. The rest of them, I don't know if you can pick out somebody and say, oh, he had a bad game. They played a darn good football game. Uh, and, yeah, they that is a sign of being well coached. And I we warned people that they've, they've only gotten blown out once. It was against the 49ers. That was it. They have only gotten blown out once. They've been in every game. They allowed 17 points to the Rams, but they only scored nine. Uh, you know, they have been in every football game. They lost to Philly by one. Uh, they should have beat them. Uh, if Evan Ingram catches the ball, they do, which is funny because Evan Ingram caught basically the same route. He had a great catch against the Bucks, and I was like, wow. So you drop it against the Eagles, <laughs> and then you catch the ball against the, the Bucks. Great. Just their luck. That's how, uh, that's how it goes most of the time. Of course, yeah. As soon as he caught that, that's what I was thinking. I was like, so you drop it that week but then this week you're just gonna make and it's it was a poor throw too daniel jones put on the money in philly daniel jones put a little bit too far this one and he still makes the catch i'm like okay um but yeah they played a darn good football game and if if i'm a giants player i'm like man like we just played our hearts out 
against a team that is talent, you know, more talented than we are, and he still just didn't come away with a W. So, you know, they're probably the last thing we'll say crediting them a whole lot, but I mean, credit to them. Um, they're, they're they're a hard fighting team, and they at one and six they could have easily laid down, and they certainly didn't. Absolutely. They came ready to play. The next stat line that we've got off of that offense is a refreshing one. Four receptions, 41 yards, and a touchdown for number 87, Rob Gronkowski. I hated, hated that Gronkzilla garbage that they showed before the game. That was the reason that they were losing. I don't know if you watched the I did not. Monday Night Football countdown. But I, they I were, did not. Oh, my God. It was it was Goatzilla and Gronkzilla, and they were really? filming it like this old, scary <laughs> Godzilla movie, and it was just so oh, corny. Dude. And But Gronkzilla kind of showed up. Again, like I said, four receptions, 41 yards, and a touchdown, a very critical touchdown. And it was funny because I really didn't feel like we saw too much of Gronk until the third quarter. And yeah, you really know, once we started to see him get involved, the Buccaneers got their first actual touchdown of the game and they were back in it. So it's one of those things where like, I don't know what was up with Gronk in that first half. I know it wasn't really a Gronk thing, but it didn't seem like they had much interest in getting him involved. Uh, I don't know if he's a hundred percent healthy. Um, because I know he's been showing up on the injury report a little bit. Uh, so I think that might've been, they might've been playing a little safe. Um, I mean, he had a catch in the first half, I think, but yeah, he really, really came on in, in the second half. Also, that's definitely a touchdown. Um, he took three steps with the football. Um, so yeah, that's definitely a touchdown there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I feel like he was fine in, in the first half. I felt like they were using him for more blocking. I felt like they just threw the ball more in the second half. So like he was just running more routes. It's just natural. So it, it, it seemed it's, like it's there funny so it, many to Sorry, go, go, ahead. go ahead. No, go, go ahead. It just seemed like there were so many times in the first half, especially where I'm looking at the field and I didn't even see him for an entire drive. Like he wasn't even yeah. in the formation. They weren't using a lot of tight end heavy. Not that they yeah. normally do, but they weren't using a lot of tight end heavy formations in the first half. And it just, it, it, I don't know. It, it, I don't know. It, it was just a little weird and, and really put this offense off rhythm a little faster than I expected them to be. It's, it's funny how you're seeing that when Alec Gronkowski is back, um, you're seeing this offense be better. It's yeah. almost like the, this offense relies on Gronkowski being good. Mm. Um, this offense relies on Gronkowski, Godwin, Evans, them all working together, right? And if, if Gronkowski shut down for the rest of that game, I don't know if the Bucks win that game, you know, because, uh, I mean, he's also – he caught uh, – he caught – a critical uh, first down conversion. Like he said, he caught that touchdown. Um, he, he played a solid football game. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I think he's a little banged up. We'll see if he shows up on the injury report at all, but uh, hopefully not. Um, but I think that might be the case, and that might have been why they sort of took him out, put Tanner Hudson in a little bit. I think Cameron Brait might have played the most he's played all year, um, had two catches. So, um yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's anything serious, but he might be a tad banged up. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. But you know, the other guy that you mentioned, Chris Godwin. This offense without Chris Godwin on the field is already handicapped. Like, even if you've got everybody else healthy, it really just seems like this offense is so easy for opposing defenses to neutralize when you don't have number fourteen on the field. And it, well, it's it's incredible now, to me. Well, that's why you just got number eighty-one. Yeah. Um, that, that, that's why, 
that's that is the reason why. If, if Chris Godwin is 100% healthy for this whole season, I don't believe the Buccaneers sign Antonio Brown. But I think they realize that it's a very real possibility. Or even if if the Chicago games goes well and the Bucks put up 35 points and win, I don't know if they sign Antonio Brown because that can show that hey, the offense is pretty good still without Godwin. You know wh- what that showed was like, man, like if Evans is banged up even a little bit. Without Chris Godwin, this offense sucks. Like yeah. <laughs> this offense, because they they're not a running football team, so they can't rely on that. Um, and then you know, so you have to pass it, and then just they just don't have enough. So I, I think that's that, that is what I think um, the the value that Antonio Brown brings, and I think that's ultimately why they they ended up signing him. So hopefully, you know, Antonio Brown stays healthy, Mike Evans stays healthy. And Chris Godwin can get back uh, this week. But I think you're seeing now a firm reason as to why they, they signed this guy. Oh, yeah. It is less about, you know, the the plethora of riches that the Bucks have on offense. Well, without one of those factors, which is Chris Godwin, just like you said, this offense plain sucks. So from a football standpoint, Antonio Brown coming in is the best possible move they could have made. And again, even more reason why they went out and made that. Speaking of A.B., Bucks officially activated wide receiver Antonio Brown from the reserve slash suspended list. So Wednesday's practice is a walkthrough. We'll get a bit better of an idea of his role in the offense this coming Sunday after that practice. But uh, he's back, man, officially. Yeah, yeah, he's he's gonna be he's gonna be practicing with the team on Wednesday, and then. I would assume he's available for media either Wednesday or Thursday. I don't think it's been official yet, but and then yeah, he's going to play. Bruce Arians has said it's he could play ten snaps, he could play thirty five snaps. So I think Adam Schefter, I heard him, he said normally, you know, when you say that, it's closer to thirty than it is ten. <laughs> so uh, I do think he's going to see a good bit of the field. Uh, I don't know the impact he's going to make because, and I want to put this out there just because obviously just got informed I'm suspended, so I won't be able to put this point uh, on the game preview, but Antonio Brown hasn't played football in over a year. So just like Gronkowski, let's not expect this guy to have over 100 yards and two touchdowns. Like, can you not expect just Antonio Brown to be plugged into this offense and boom, we're rolling? Like, I don't think it's going to happen that way. Gronkowski, like they said, you could say, oh, well, Antonio Brown is in great shape. Gronkowski is in great shape too, best shape of his life. It took him a little bit. You know, I think it's going to take Brown a, a game or two to get going. I really do. And he'll make an impact, but I don't think it's going to be this huge impact that some people are thinking. But I, um, I think his I'll impact, be interested to see what's, what's, what's going to happen. I think <clears> his potential impact is dependent upon one man and one man only, and it's the guy that we just spent a good bit of time talking about, <clears> Chris Godwin. As of right now, he's kind of week to week. Last I heard, he's got a 50-50 shot to play against the Saints this Sunday night. If he is not on the field, then I think Antonio Brown has that big breakout game. I don't know if he gets 100-plus yards, but look at it this way. If Mike Evans is still being neutralized and taken out of the game, which the Saints typically do a pretty good job of doing, if Antonio Brown is the open man, Brady's going to throw it to him. That's what it's Mm -hmm. going to boil down to. And, you know, just like we said, without Chris Godwin on the field, this offense is entirely uh, awful. And you want you want to know how big this Saints game coming up is? It decides. Uh, to be honest with I, you, if the Bucks win this Sunday night, I think yeah. it might just put a cap on the NFC South. 
Yeah, whoever I think whoever wins this football game will win the NFC South. But the reason I'm I'm saying this, you know how big this is? Two two things I want to point out here. One, it's so big because we are sitting here supposed to be talking about a game review, and we, all of a sudden we're start talking about matchups for the Saints game. And two, I think it's pretty clear the Buccaneers look past this Giants team and we're looking at the Saints just like we are right now. Yeah, um, I think it's pretty clear early on that they were like, okay, we'll come in here, get a win by 10 points, 14 points, whatever, then move on. Not going to happen. So um, it's good that they got a win, uh, but I can – you know, just that Saints game. I mean, I want to put this out here just because I'm not going to be on the game preview. Is this like, is this like what, like the biggest Bucks game in like the last ten years? Like, it really does feel like it. I, it, I think. It is, I mean, this is much bigger than the Kansas City game. Much bigger. Yeah. Well, at that point in the season, you know, win or loss of this game, it. It just there's so much more weight on this game. Not only is it a division game, but like we just talked about, it could potentially wrap up the NFC South. The Buccaneers get a win ahead of New Orleans. Well, they kind of already are six and two, five and two. You separate that by another game. The rest is history. But yeah, this is what feels like the heaviest Bucks game in a very long time. Definitely the biggest Bucks game. Since we've started doing the show, um, they have the most at stake. And to say that in November is definitely something that we're still getting used to. <laughs> yeah, no, normally you're saying week two because they're trying to avoid going zero and two. <laughs> this is this is huge. They, they they can't do this. Oh man! So let's go ahead and wrap up these stat lines. I got a couple of unsung heroes from the game Monday night. First up. Jadon Mickens, five receptions and 36 yards. Did he have a earth-shattering game? No, absolutely not. But the five receptions that he had were critical. I mean critical. What about this game from Jadon Mickens? Well, one of them was a fourth down conversion. I mean, you know, he, he caught on the opening drive, he caught one for a first down. Then he caught one to convert a fourth down. And then I think he caught another one to get a... a on on third and it was like third and four he caught one. I mean, yeah, with without I tweeted it out. Uh, without Jaden Mickens, they don't win this football game. I really don't think they do. They needed him to step up, and he did just that. And I saw some people on Twitter that were like making fun of him and stuff, and keep wanting to make fun of him. Like, why? Like the dude played well. Give him props. Like, what does it matter? Too. What is it? Yeah, he did. Well, he's been getting better at returns, and nobody talks about it. Um, what is what does it matter? If it's a no-name receiver stepping up, why do you have to make fun of that? Like, he's stepping up. Like, who cares? If he's stepping up making plays, who cares what his name is? I don't care. If if Surreal Grayson went out there and caught six balls for, you know, 60 yards, you'd be like, all right. You know, you can't, like, you can't say, oh, yeah, Surreal Grayson. No, who cares? He's stepping up for you. And that's what you need sometimes. On off night like that, you need an unsung hero, like he said. And he was exactly that on Monday night. He was, like I said, he was a, a big factor in that game. Now, the next biggest factor in this game, and to be honest with you, my MVP, Ryan Suckup. I was trying to think of a nickname, and I couldn't do it. But Ryan does not suck. Suckup that, does it nickname. again. Four for four, 13 total points. And his longest field goal of the night was 43 yards. Single-legedly kept us in la- that game. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to officially announce that we have suspended not only me for the week. Oh, my God. 
But we have suspended the make your kicks checkpoint on the checklist for the rest of the season. Oh, man. This is a new era for the show. The biggest announcement all season. This is just a huge announcement show. That's all it is. You you will not hear make your kicks on a checklist from me or from Rhett for the rest of the 2020 season. So, like... You won't. Even even if even if you feel like he actually does need it, don't say it. Okay, all right. He's 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 earned it. He's he has earned it. He has earned the trust that even if he misses one or two in a game, and the next week you're looking at the game, nope. He's 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 been he's been that good, and that clutch. Uh, this is exactly why they signed him and brought you know like Matt Gay. That was his weakness. That that area was his weakness. The the thirty five the forty five range. That's where he was the most weak. Uh, he had a heck of a leg, but he was just too inconsistent from there. And yeah, they don't they don't win without Ryan Sucker. Four for four. And that wind was weird, man. Some of those kicks, I was like, eh, oh yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, he put the uh, hook on one of them great. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Not not as much as the hook on the one uh, the fifty yard at Green Bay, but yeah, uh, yeah definitely. Um, yeah, well, uh, that game was in Tampa, but yeah, <laughs> it definitely, um, it definitely. I think they've, for this season at least, I think they found their guy. So, Ryan Sucko, congratulations! I know this is a big accomplishment for you. I know you're going to be stoked to hear this news when you listen to this show, because um, I know you're a longtime listener. Um, yeah, so you have earned it. So you will not hear "Make Your Kicks" on the checklist anymore. Bucks fans everywhere, dare I say it, we have ourselves a kicker. Big exhale, everybody's feeling great. Before we talk about the rest of this game, I just want to remind everybody that it's November. November, the 11th month of the year. You know what else is in November? Thanksgiving. You know what the day after Thanksgiving is? Black Friday. What does that mean? It basically means that the holidays are already here. And if you haven't gotten on your online shopping, you're behind But no need to worry, because our friends over at the Seattle Shirt Company have got you covered. Jay and the team have an unbelievable selection of NFL and NBA jerseys for everyone on your list this season. These jerseys are 100% authentic, from current superstars like LeBron to all-time legends like Jim Brown, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Walter Payton. Seattle Shirt Company has it all. By the way, I was checking out their website. They've got themselves a beautiful... Warren Sapp, creamsicle jersey, just like the one that you see hanging behind me over on our YouTube channel. There you channel. go. And for right now, if you want to get your hands on that creamsicle jersey, for our listeners, we have a special one-time-only pre-Black Friday Cyber Monday deal. Everything over at SeattleShirt.com is 30% off. So head over to SeattleShirt.com, enter the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout for 30% off of your entire order. And of course... Shipping is always free. Once again, our friends over at Seattle Shirt Company, 30% off of your order with promo code BLEAV, SeattleShirt.com. Make sure you go check it out. So, we've got some other things that we need to talk about in this game. I think we're ignoring one elephant in the room. I'm not sure if that's next or not, but go ahead. I'm, I'm very curious what it is, actually. I might I- have it, but the next thing that I had. I wanted to kind of take a look at this defense because we've talked a lot about the offense. But what's the elephant in the room? Throw it out there because now I'm genuinely curious. Well, I mean, can we just take a moment like before we get into complete defense? Can we talk about the two-point play? Or? 
<laughs> sure, let's do it. Is let's that is it. that is that is that cool? Yeah, uh, if we're gonna talk about yeah. the two point play, let's talk about some inconsistencies as well. But but what were your thoughts on it? The Antoine Winfield play to save the game. Clean. I thought. I thought. You know, when you get there at the same time as the ball, it's gonna be hard to call that defensive pass interference. And I'm so glad that they picked a the flag up because. A lot of the time, like you normally see that call, and you're like, "Ah, oh, that's not like that's not pass interference." And yeah. Daniel Jones was late on the throw, which definitely impacted it. If Antoine Winfield, if the ball doesn't touch him, it's it's def, it's DPI. If the ball, if he doesn't make any contact with the ball, it's definitely defensive pass interference. But Daniel Jones, man, that thing was right there for the take, and and he just missed the throw. He was late on it. I just, I don't know with that guy. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely a lapse in coverage. The Bucks definitely weren't ready for it the first time, which I texted you. I was like, they took the timeout. I was like, that's fine. Like, what yeah. is like, what is one timeout going to do, right? Who cares? Like, you take the timeout. And the Giants ran the same exact formation out there. So it seemed like that was the plan all along. They weren't switching nothing up. And Antoine Winfield, great play. And that's the type of play that would get you consideration for defensive rookie of the year. So, He's still in that conversation, and he's still continuing a great rookie season. What did you think of the call? Because I know that you texted him. You were like, of course they throw the flag. And I said, texted you. I said, I think it was sort of at the same time. But um, I wanted to get your your thoughts on, on that. Well, I agree with you in the sense that since he did get hit with the ball, because it wasn't even so much that it was like he deflected it. Like it just kind of hit him in the back. You know what I mean? The late throw is going to do that. But first off, incredible awareness from Antoine Winfield because when that play started he was all the way on the other end of the end zone when you look back at the replay he is in a full sprint once he reads that Daniel Jones is looking that way so for him to make a play on the football and a critical play like that big heads up play from him but for the call himself I just do you remember seeing Joe Judge once the game was over and he ripped off his mask and he was like that's effing horse s or something I mean, it, it was it was pretty bad, and, and I, a lot I, of Giants fans are pretty right. heated about the referees overall that night. But, you know, while we're talking about that play, a lot of people feel like it's 50-50. Let's talk about the rest of the evening. It seemed like that officiating crew was given some more than generous spots to both teams all night long. Except for the Bucks, when Leonard Fournette clearly got a first down, and then, you know, they didn't, and the Bucks couldn't run out the clock because they couldn't get the, the third and one. When the, uh, Leonard Fournette had already got the first down. But. The Devin White neutral zone infraction, he wasn't in the neutral zone. Yeah, I mean, he jumped, like, <sighs> but, like, it was a little iffy, yeah. Like, he definitely jumped, but, mm, But no, there were no just need. so many of those calls that you could look back and be like, what the hell? Like, you know what I mean? That Maybe that shouldn't have been called. Refs on primetime, man. It's re- the refs and Buck with the Bucks on primetime is not a great formula because, yeah, Chicago game and... Well, yeah, Chicago just, and New York are both pretty shady. shady how many cities, times? If I say so how myself. many? How many times were they gonna let the Giants just like false start or hold? Like Shaq Barrett must have gotten held three different times. Like, I, come on. I, I think one of my favorite parts about the uh, the new Buccaneers uniform is that the word Buccaneers on their chest. You can tell how many times and how rough they've been held based off of how curved it is. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it yeah. kind of makes the arch, and you can tell someone's been holding them to death. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. It's just another one of those games. I mean, what's important is that, yes, the Buccaneers did escape with a win, but 
Listen, folks, if we're going to spend an extended amount of time talking about the last play of the game, or at least, you know, the last play for the Giants, we got to talk about the rest of the game. Because it, it yeah, was not, get there? It was not leaning one way or another for, for with, either team. It was just with, pretty with, bad with officiating. This, with this Giants offense, it shouldn't have came down to a two-point conversion. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair as well. Going into this game, we talked about it on the preview show. They were ranked 31st for not only, I think, total yardage, but points scored. So there really was no no point for it to come down to that. But again, you know, while we mention it, those refs were damn generous. But I want to talk about this defense. I, I'll, I'll tell you what. You opened it up with that final play. Let's talk about that final drive. That was probably the most infuriating series of football that I've seen from this defense all season. The extended plays, the bullshittery, like, I, I don't know what it was, but it looked like the helmet catch from 2007 where Eli was just able to escape everybody, you, you know, throw the ball on a whim and they come down with it. Daniel Jones had so much pressure on him on, was it the third yeah. or the fourth down? It was, well, the, the fourth and five was when... Daniel Sue almost got there, and Jones just threw it up, Slayton caught it, and then ran. Devin White missed the tackle. Who I thought Devin White outside of the sack played horrible, um, but yeah, Devin White missed the tackle, and they got the. It was the fourth and five where Jones was hit, and then the fourth and sixteen, Jones just the rolled out, and had time. The fourth and sixteen was what was infuriating because it wasn't one had fourth down day. conversion; it was two. It was yeah. two, and it was a. It was you know. Two chances right there to put the game away sooner than and, I mean, it needed if that, to be. If that's if that's more than like a fourth and ten, you you can't let that. Just literally, just let them check it down, then just tackle them. Like right. that's, that's what, what you do in that situation. It, it you know it, it. Those are two chances. Both of those fourth downs, they're two chances for you to put the game away and to make this box score look a little bit more appealing too. It wouldn't come down with you know the oh, possibility of overtime if they get their yeah game would have been over. Yeah, exactly. It, it was just, it was, oh man, it was infuriating. But the rest of the defense, let's talk about something. One of the big highlights from Monday night. The Buccaneers used Jamel Dean in their base defense for the first time this season. Basically, they pulled the old switcheroo with Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy bunting. So SMB played in just the nickel, which I know we've said here on the show, he is he is much better in that position. Yep. A really good nickel corner. He showed why on Monday night for the most part. Had a part. pick. And... You know, I, I think the reason that they did that, I think Bruce said it, but I think he just liked the matchups a little bit better with Jamel Dean and some of those receivers for New York. But uh, what did you think of that adjustment on defense? It was an adjustment indeed. Um, or I should say in Dean. Aha. Aha. Uh, <laughs> so funny. That's why you're suspended. Um, yeah, well. <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, anyways, I, I thought Dean, I like the idea of putting him outside because I think that's where he belongs. But man, he is, he is an aggressive fellow out there. He was uh, jumping routes all night. He was trying his he, best. He wants to do the pick six on Aaron Rodgers every time a receiver throws the ball his way. Uh, because he jumps on everything and they, they got him with a few double moves and Daniel Jones just couldn't hit him. Uh, you know, so Dean didn't have a great night. But he's been good this season. I expect him to bounce back. And you can already see during the game. I believe John Ledyard put the put, uh, pointed this out that like they ran a double move at him later in the game, and he didn't flinch. So that's a good sign. Uh, but yeah, not not Dean's strongest game at all. 
Yeah, and on those double moves that you brought up, you know, there was a point in this game where if Daniel Jones was not Daniel Jones and had overthrown his receivers, it would have been 25 to 9. Not 28 to 9 because you take away the field goal that they held them to that one drive. But there were two touchdowns where Jamel Dean was beat. And it was it was it was going to be a house call. It was going mm-hmm. to be a touchdown if Daniel Jones connects. And of course, we know that at 25 and 9 this football game finishes probably a lot different. That ball game's over. I hate to say it, but with the way that this team was playing, 25 to 9 would have been the nail in the coffin. Absolutely. Have they come back from bigger de- deficits so far this season? Yes. But, again... It's just a momentum thing. Exactly. That's what it is. And with the way that we saw them come out on Monday night, that first three quarters of football was just the most uninspired that I've seen all season. You look over an opponent, that's exactly what's going to happen. But... For the defense, again, you know, we, we got a lot of people who were just upset about it. And we actually got a voicemail from our buddy Colin out of Denver that I forgot to play because that's just the kind of show that I'm having right now. But shout out to Colin for calling in. 813-433-0323. If you guys ever want to leave a voicemail, if you ever have any questions for us, the line is always open. We will play it on the show if I don't forget. And, of course, we'll answer your questions. So we talked about the secondary. One more thing I want to talk about before we close this thing. What did you think of that defensive line for the most part? Very disappointing. Um, I'm going to keep that pretty blunt because um, this Giants offensive line is bad. Is very bad. They were missing Will Hernandez, a starter. They were starting two rookies. And the Bucks just could not get a pass rush with four guys. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with they just don't have another pass rusher to go with Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul, sign Clay Matthews maybe, uh, but oh, they just don't They just don't have that pass rusher. You could tell at the end of the game, the entire fourth quarter, Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett are completely gassed, uh, and they just can't do anything. So very disappointed. Just I just really am. I know they had three sacks, but, man, I don't know. Um I felt like this was the game where Shaq Bear and Jason Pierre-Paul were just going to meet at the quarterback, right, and get you know two or three uh, combined, and then you know you'd get Sue involved, and you'd get Golston a little bit because he can have some rush moves. Um, you get Nacho, maybe you send some more blitzes with Devin White, Levante David, Antoine Winfield, Jordan Whitehead, and it just didn't work. Um, their offensive line, that's one of the most concerning things for me from this game, is that the Giants' offensive line really handled the Bucks' front four well. And even when the Bucks sent pressure, it was either not getting there at all, which is extremely concerning, or getting there just entirely too late because the Bucks, The Giants, I mean, credit to them, they had a great game plan, uh, short, quick passes. When your offensive line sucks, that's what you have to do. Um, you're not going to be running four verticals. Uh, every credit time to uh, credit to Jason Garrett as well. I mean, he had some yeah. pretty damn good play calls in that first half. Yeah, he was, you know, he was probably he was clapping his hands a lot in the first <laughs> half. Uh, and then the second half, not as much. But um, yeah, I mean, it really uh, I, credit to them. They they had a good game plan and were able to really uh, were able to really, really get stuff done against uh, against a good Bucks defense. And I still think this Bucks defense is good. Just an off night, and it just it felt like the Chicago game. It felt like they weren't getting enough rush with their front four. Um, the only difference was they got the turnovers when they needed it. Carlton Davis right out of the gate, right right halftime, um, gets the pick. 
Shaq Barrett, great job. I need sacks from him, though. I need sacks from Shaq Barrett. I want Sack Barrett back. Yeah. Right now, you got Shaquille Barrett. Right, right. He got Shaquille Barrett, solid pass rusher. I want Sack Barrett, elite pass rusher, back. Um, and he's not going to get paid like an elite pass rusher if he keeps not getting sacks. I know he he's like second in the NFL in pressures, but man, pressures don't get you, you know, eighteen twenty million dollars a year. It just doesn't. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, and then Sean Murphy Bunting with the pick, another Shaq Barrett, great job, but I need a sack. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting with the pick. The Giants were past midfield at that point, so that's a that's a big play there. Yeah. So um, a lot of it was Daniel Jones's mistakes, but I also think they did enough. And on that last touchdown throw, it's a very good throw. It's a very good catch. Sean Murphy Bunting could have played it a little bit better, but I don't have too many complaints about that. I just look at that. Just that's just a good play. Um, that's how I looked at it more. I think the game should have been over. Uh, not only did they have the fourth and five where they converted, but in the fourth and sixteen, but Levante David also dropped an interception that was right in his hands. Um, oh, hopefully man, that doesn't he, happen. He's had a couple of those this year. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it, that doesn't happen again. It, it's rough because I know I had seen it brought up. I think you brought it up earlier, but um, you know, for a guy like Levante David, those dropped interceptions. Defensive player of the year. Gotta catch him. You gotta get him. That, that's I mean, prime. That's the, prime time. Everybody's watching you seal the deal. With the yeah. season that he is having so far, those two interceptions that I know of for a fact that he has dropped this year. If he has those, he is your front runner for defensive player of the year. But since it is such a stats based award, those go such a long way. Again, Levante having a solid season, and I'm not discrediting right. yes. him as a player, but. Those picks, they just, oh, they hurt, man. They hurt. You got to have them. Yep. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, like I said, I didn't think Devin White was that good. They're going to have to play better against New Orleans. And the the scary part is New Orleans' offense is very similar to the yeah. Giants. Um, a lot of quick stuff, not a lot of downfield stuff. They're going to hit Kamara on the screens more. That's the basically the biggest difference is that um, they'll use their running backs in the passing game more than the Giants uh, will. So... Yeah, Bucks defense has got to play better. Absolutely. So, I'll be honest with you. I'm kind of glad that we're done talking about this one. We're going to put it behind us. Yeah. Bucks win. A win's a win, but uh, let's not talk about this one too much more. <laughs> win's a win. 6-2 and two on the season, and as of right now, first place in the NFC South. Last words before we close this thing out. I want to say this. Yes, it felt like an off night for everybody. Not only us staying up late on a work night to watch that garbage, but the Tampa yeah, Bay I Buccaneers. I was so glad that didn't go to overtime. I'm oh, just glad that they won because if they had lost and I stayed up till midnight to watch it working 5.30 a.m. the next day, I was going to be pissed all day long. But this team will be ready for New Orleans. I don't think you're going to see them overlook an opponent like New Orleans like they did to New York. As, me as Evan mentioned earlier, they looked past this game a little bit, and I think it was fairly obvious because they got caught slacking in the first half. They are prepared for New Orleans, and after watching New Orleans play That's this bold. last, after watching New Orleans play this last weekend, I hate to say that I'm not entirely worried about him anymore. Oh, don't. No, that's not oh. what I'm saying. That's not at all what I'm saying. But if this team shows up ready to play, then I think this, I, 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 I think this could go in our favor for sure. Thank God I'm suspended. 
right? Alright, so since uh -huh. you are suspended and we won't be able to hear from you Thursday, what are your last thoughts on this Sunday's matchup against the Saints? Uh, I mean, it's huge. Um, this is this is a big, big game. Uh, like I said, when I'm saying that this is a big game in the past 10 years for this football team, I mean it. Uh, I truly believe that this game, barring a late, uh, late season collapse by either team, right? I mean, the Bucks could win this game, and I said, oh, they're going to win the South, and they lose three straight, and that's that. The Saints could win this game, and I said, oh, they're going to win the South, and there's three straight, and that's that. Barring a late collapse, I believe whoever wins this football game is going to win the NFC South. If the Bucks lose this football game, I think it'll be almost impossible for them to win the NFC South just because New Orleans has two wins over them. Like, New Orleans literally has two wins over you. And your schedule, you're playing the Rams and the Chiefs coming up. Like, those are two tough games. You know, and the, if you look at the New Orleans schedule, they play Kansas City. That's like you. They play Kansas City and Tampa Bay. the The rest of the schedule is very winnable to them. Like they they could literally Tampa Bay and Kansas City. I think are their last threats to lose. Like I, I really think that. So this game is just so critical for the Bucks to to come out and play well. And this is the one that you know. This is why you brought Tom Brady here. Uh, you brought Tom Brady here to win this game on Sunday Night Football in front of the home crowd. I'm going to be in attendance. Um, in front of the home crowd, and um, yeah, it's it, it'll be important to get a win. And if they do, I think they are firmly in the driver's seat for the NFC South. Yes, I don't think those words have ever been spoken here on the show, but I'll tell you what, I'm no, damn excited <laughs> for Sunday night football. Evan, I know you're pumped. You're going to see Tom Brady in the flesh in the red and pewter for the first time. My hero. You got to be excited. You got to <laughs> It'll be, be uh it'll be really cool for me um to to finally see see the guy that like um if if you know me and you you can just go back and listen to the episode where he where he first joined the Bucks and if you know me you know that Tom Brady for as long as I've been watching football has been like my favorite football player ever. And um, it'll be really, really neat to, to finally see him in person. Hopefully um, it'll come out with a win. I'm going to enjoy it either way because I'm, I'm seeing my favorite guy in person, but uh, hopefully it'll be 10 times much, 10 times much better, 10 times better. Um, if it's a W there we go. Looking forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, I will talk to you Thursday. Evan will talk to you next Monday. But with all of that being said, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening on any of our podcast outlets or checking us out with video over on YouTube. And if you haven't already, make sure you go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We just recently hit 1,500 subscribers, so thank you guys so much for all the support and everybody continually tuning into our show. We really do appreciate you. Check out the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Basically the best place to go for any updates on the show. And, of course, Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can check out my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can find myself, or I'm sorry, you can find him on Twitter as well at EvanNFL. I just, I didn't mention it because he's not going to follow you back. I hate to be hey. that guy. Sorry. Nah, don't be. <laughs> hey shout out shout out to uh shout out, let me uh let me get the the at here 
There you um, go. Don't even remember it, but we're going to shout, shout out. Shout out to uh, At The Raise Zone, uh, David from At The Raise Zone, because he is hyped to hear what I had to say on this one. That is go. not my that is not my burner account, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> but I, David, I appreciate you, and you are a smart cookie. Yeah, Evan definitely had some great things to say on this show. Unlike myself, I don't know. I just I felt <laughs> I felt off on this one for just, some reason. Just don't don't talk to me during a game because that's how I get suspended. So. Right, apparently. So for your saving grace, I'm not going to text you at all next Sunday. I hope you have a great time, uh, though. Well, I mean, yeah, I probably I'm at the game, so I won't answer you anyway. So, <laughs> but if if they win, you might get like a phone call of me just like going nuts. So. As long as you send me some pictures of like those uniforms in person, that's all I, I need. I got you. Ladies and gentlemen, you can find myself on social media, Instagram and Twitter. All of those are at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I promise I will follow you back. And uh, that's the end of the show, I think. I think that's I it. That's yeah. it. That's all, folks. All right. Well, <laughs> I'll talk to you Thursday. We're going to have our man James Money Hill, a.k.a. Uh-oh. Mr. Bucks Nation, filling in. Do a little game preview for you. And be on the lookout for a Bucks break dropping as well this week. Go Bucks! Six and two, first place in the NFC South. Next Sunday awaits. Thanks for listening to our show. We'll talk to you next time. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.